1: Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, November 1st, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And that is right, today is Friday, November 1st. We just had a spooky Thursday Halloween. Uh, I hope all of you enjoyed your trick-or-treating, your partying. I realized post-grad Halloween, uh, this is my first time Dealing with a Halloween after graduating, and it's it's quite weird. I I, I can't go trick or treating because I'm too old for that. That's really creepy. If you saw me walking around, you you probably wouldn't give me candy. And I don't really feel like going to a club on a Thursday night. So um, maybe I'm a loser, and that's fine. So that's that's just where we're at at this point in my life. But uh, because we we've got the spooky Thursday evening recording session going, West off. I need bat sound effects. I need a witch's howl. I need a pot stirring with brains. I don't know how you're going to find that sound effect, but but good luck. Thank you, West off Had to get those in there. Um, I've kept my lovely co-host waiting up late. It is... What, what time is it? We are almost at 9 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time, so I'm going to not waste any more time introducing my partner my doubles partner partner in crime and you know i might have to give him the uh, the best friend title as well alexander scott gruskin what's going on baby Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. Well,
2: A, I also have nothing to do on this hol- post-Halloween night. I'm always in a candy <laughs> hangover. And for me, nothing helps cure that Reese's head like watching some tennis, which is what I do on Halloween's post-grad. I'll say this is my third post-grad, so it means it's your second Halloween post-graduation. But it's I guess it okay. is my second yeah, one. Yeah, give yourself some credit. Come on. It's your second year out. You deserve it. Um, Yeah, oh. I mean, the good news is, again, for all the candy. So our neighborhood, it's funny. My parents, I mean, I was there for my junior and senior year of high school as well the house that they're at but i know that in that neighborhood compared to our childhood home there are like no trick-or-treaters so my dad's gonna buy the candy no matter what but we literally have like two bags of reese's and
1: kit kats which i'll get through in a week but like we have two yeah, bags dangerous left. that is really dangerous I, I i told my parents don't do it to me uh, i'm on the uh the la quinoa acai bowl diet right now and uh <laughs> Hey, I don't need any of that Reese's in my life.
2: Uh, a a curd, stirred brain cauldron and holiday, uh, Halloween quinoa were two phrases everyone expected early on in this podcast.
1: <laughs> what else do you expect on our, on our first one back in a while? You, you got to expect the unexpected. Uh, no, but they Alex, definitely don't expect any tennis talk. No, why? Why <laughs> is this? Is this a tennis podcast? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Well, I I know we were going to talk about the whole best friend's dad thing, but maybe we uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a changeover
2: (laughs) chat for another time Well, yeah, let's save
1: it for another time Let's
2: get into the tennis for sure
1: yeah, let's do it. So there, there is lots of tennis to talk about. Um, I want to just start because uh, I do want to plug some of our old podcasts with the Charlottesville Challenger. Uh, you know, we we had Brandon Nakashima on, and, and Alex, you did a wonderful interview with him. Um, I know you got the chance to, to watch a lot of this tennis, so I, I want to give you one minute to just rattle off your thoughts on the day's Charlottesville events, and Westoff. cue the clock. Go. So we did have Brandon Nakashima. We also had
2: play-by-play commentator Mike Cation, who was joined this week by our tennis channel podcast network, Brethren and... Former guest on our Cracked Interviews podcast, of course, our favorite Jewish tennis player, Noah Rubin, who's also doing color commentary with him on the USA Pro Circuit stream. And I have a lot of thoughts on that. Some positive, some negative. I say that lovingly. They're our brethren, real friends, best friends, tell each other things truthfully. That's why I wanted to have that conversation before I said anything about the commentary. But it is very nice to hear a change. I mean, it's a lot of fun. If you like the podcast, you're going to love the commentary this week on the tennis front. And I know I'm talking fast. It's because I only have. So fast. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's start. With Nakashima. I mean, the guy makes another quarterfinal that's three challenger quarterfinals in a row. He's on the precipice of the top 400 at age 18. Keep that in mind. I'm pretty sure he's one of the top 10 under 19 players in the world right now. That's a testament to how good he's been. Of course, as you talk, we talk in the podcast, former world junior number three. And when I asked him the question, he said he's still currently considering it, but you could hear in his tone. Uh, that he was also considering, you know, he's ready to go pro. He thinks his tennis is at that point, and his results this week uh, de- certainly demonstrate that as well. And you also hear things behind the scenes, and, you know, it's just it, it'll be very shocking to me unless he comes back to the Charl- Charlottesville Challenger next year, which seems very possible. This could be his last week in Charlottesville for a while. In terms of the other tennis, Marcos Girón looks great. I mean, for him to put together a full, healthy season, hopefully he can stay healthy in, going into 2020 because he is on the precipice of the top 100, And he's a guy who's been so talented throughout his career. Top junior NCAA singles champion. It's nice to see him put it all together. Um, What other results have we had there? Braden Schnur looked good today. That's a guy you interviewed. Going to give you a plug there because indoors, I mean, his serve, his forehand. We saw him make a final of a New York Open. It's a challenger. He's the one seed. He needs to lock up some points at the end of the year before that result comes off of his uh, rankings points. So good for him to play. That's not a shock that we see him play the challengers here. But of course, the U.S. Open wildcard challenge hangs over, or U.S. Open, excuse me, Australian Open wildcard challenge hangs over all of it, right? And so for a guy like Giron, if he can get the main draw wild card going into the year, that's amazing given that Indian Wells comes up pretty quickly as well. For a guy like Nakashima, he gets the wild card, he's going pro. End of story, right? And so there's a lot of... I mean, there are other players as well, but for me thus far... Those have been the two things that have really stuck out. I mean, Mitchell Kruger losing today to Phil Palewo was desperate. Apparently, or was uh, devastating. Mitchell Kruger, another guest. Uh, last thing, I swear, because I have to be over a minute. Um, but <laughs> one of the one of the most fascinating things. So, I we were talking about weather in our pre thing call because that's what best friends do. You talk about the weather. Um, but in. In Charlottesville, it's like hurricane conditions. It's torrential downpour. In Michigan, it's snowing. Where you are, there's wildfires. Climate change isn't real, right, everyone? Um, But this idea that uh, because it was raining so much, it started leaking into the Boar's Head facility. And so the courts were too humid to play on. So not only did the second court get delayed, but they were bringing out, like, air dryers and the Zamboni equivalent for these tennis courts with, like, fans on them. You know the cart I'm talking about, right, that dry the courts? Yeah, of course. And, like— Indoors for that to happen, I it, it was a factor today, so it was just like Braden Schnurr. Mike Cation tweeted this out, so I gotta give him credit. Braden Schnur was asking for ice towels
1: on changeovers, and like it's indoors that's crazy. Well, that was a, a solid three minutes and <laughs> 30 seconds. That's why no one uh, asked me
2: to come on as the guest.
1: Yeah, West Off, round of applause for going way <laughs> over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it. The weather situation there is just absolutely absurd, and and yeah, I'll retweet the uh, the, the global warming and and climate <laughs> change is uh, fake uh, comment, but won't go any further there. Yeah, I mean, there, there's. Crazy! It's crazy to to hear that indoors, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to rattle off even more names that we've interviewed, you know, in this draw. But uh, there, there's a lot: Sarmiento, Kudla, you know, whatever. So, uh, check out the all of our our podcast, the Cracked Interviews, the Great Shot Podcast, and this one, of course, the Mini Break. I have yes, three
2: more minutes in me on Sarmiento Rolla, the match he lost because I watch all that Blaze roll. Of course, former NCAA singles champion Ohio State, Ray Sarmiento, former USC guy. So piqued my interest. I have takes. I mean, the fact that Rolla was never in the top 50 blows my f-ing mind. Like, this guy, six three, six four, lefty, so handsome, like, beautiful strokes as well, but I'm talking just aesthetically also just a handsome guy, but like, a physical Goliath. And I just... He's got the Ty Tucker platform step serve. He hits big indoors. I mean, there were stretches where I think he came close to the top 100 if not cracking it. But I know he's had injuries. But I just – whenever I watch him play, it makes me so upset that he couldn't break the
1: top 100. I mean, yeah. But that he, was his, maybe a minute. His career high, uh, 78 in 2015. Yeah. But so he's just, definitely he's, he's, so he's, he's definitely been up there.
2: The 2010s, great decade of college tennis. We'll talk about that on a GSP soon.
1: We definitely will, and that's a that's a good plug. And we're going to segue into the professional tennis that we want to talk about. Not that this wasn't professional tennis, but the ATP Tour and the WTA Tour. Um, Alex, I want to start on the WTA side. Uh, we, we've we got Shenzhen, and this is the WTA Finals. D- kind of weird. We had two uh, withdrawals, and we, I, I we haven't really talked about this too much. I just want to bring it up really quickly. Uh, both Andreescu and Osaka— pulling out of this tournament due to injury, you know, how much do you see this as, you know, legitimate injury versus trying to, you know, maintain themselves after a long season and, you know, make sure that they stay healthy and don't push anything?
2: Well, Kiki Burton's also pulled out as well, right? And And Kiki, And that GSP we just did talking about WTA players who came closest. She was the name who came up on the show. and. The reason she did is because she, you know, she's won Cincinnati. She's had a lot of, I think, over the course of this year, semifinals of the French Open, maybe something like that. But she has been re- semifinals in Madrid, I think, as well. She's been a top ten player, and for for Kiki Bertens, who came in as a fill-in for Naomi Osaka, let's keep in mind, in all the, you know, she played so many events in the run-up to this tournament as well to try and qualify. At the end, she played Kremlin Cup after playing the week before that, after playing the Asian Swing as well. Ended up losing out to uh, semifinalist here, Belinda Benchich, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a second as well. So for Kiki Burton's, who made the final last week at the Elite Trophy event, right? You kind of get it. You're like, this is so much time. Yeah. I heard the commenters say 81st match of the year. Like, again, to put it in perspective, Novak Djokovic went 82 and 6 one season. Like, can you <laughs> imagine that? That's just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it means you're eight, playing a match like every three days. No, it's just, and you're winning. It's not, you're not just playing, you're like winning. You're like, you show up and you're like, I'm going to win this week because why not? Um, But yeah, Kiki Burton's that's a ton of matches and she's had a really good season. She deserved to be in this field even if as a fill-in and it's a credit to her, but the fact that Andrescu Osaka pull out, no, it's serious injury because for Osaka, she was playing so well down the home she was one of the favorites to win this event and same thing for Andrescu. she wants to back everything up, you know, she's never one to back down. She talked about how excited she was to play Simona Halep in that group play match early on because that's a player she looked up to. So they are both seriously worn down. And I think for Osaka, I'm less worried about it because she had played so well down the home stretch, just so much tennis on her body. But for Bianca Andreescu, it's these injuries just keep piling up, right? She can put together a really good six weeks. But once you get, try to expand beyond that, it's just – Maybe it's her brand of tennis, and she is so capable of doing so many different things on the court, but clearly there's an effect on her body, and that's something always to monitor and worry about moving forward because
1: as talented as she is, you can never project how the body's going to hold up. Hundred percent, and you know this is her knee that uh, is has taken her out and forced her to withdraw from this tournament. You know the physical style of tennis she plays, and just the way she pounds on the hard court. I mean, I I could hundred percent see how uh, that takes a toll on your knee. So disappointing to see her have to pull out. But can I uh, from this today, on you real quick? Sure.
2: I think part of the thing with the physicality, because you and I have talked many times about the schedule on the HP and WTA, how tennis is really one of those 50-week-a-year sports because you are playing so often on tour, especially if you're not a top-five player and you don't have points that can protect you from playing week in, week out. But one of the other things I think uh, accentuating people's physical ailments is how slow these courts are. I mean, it is unbelievable in Shenzhen. And as a fan of slow courts, because for me— Listeners don't care about this, but my weakness was always... I, I, I'm in very good shape, and I say that not to... That's mm-hmm. not braggadocious. I'm not saying I'm a good athlete. I'm saying I'm a try hard. And so, you know... As long as you aren't above a certain athletic threshold, it's very difficult to beat me because I'm going to just try so damn hard. Um, But the slower the court, the higher that athletic threshold is that I can compete with, right? Because it just slows everything down. It's so hard to hit a winner on these courts. And I think what you're seeing with the Osaka, with – the, um, well, not quite Belinda Bencic, she's a little older, but Osaka and Bencic is just physically, they played so much tennis this year, and they're still, you know, 20 years old or under, so to see them in comparison with Halops and uh, the Burtons uh, or the uh, Bardies of the world or Svitolina, who are just a little bit older, it, it makes you remember as a tennis fan that these players still have physical development to undergo, and that's just something you have to keep in perspective, given that it's week 50 of the season or whatever.
1: I loved hearing you just try and you know put conditions on all of the uh, <laughs> the different self uh, self acclaimed <laughs> you know <laughs> that was funny. I, I swear it's it's not that I'm athletic. I'm just I'm a try hard. No, uh, but okay. the point I'm
2: trying to make.
1: Is I know. I it know. It becomes I, yeah. You yes. I know. I, but it's for it.
2: the listeners, right? I know you get it. Yes. But I'm, I, I'm, the point I'm trying to everyone knows is.
1: that you think you're great. And that's
2: well, <laughs> well, not only do I think I'm great, but I think the players at this WTA finals who have exceeded are in exceptional physical shape. You look at the players, Fidelina, she's undefeated. I mean, at 24, 25 years old, she's the tweener, right, in this group. She's the one who's not quite old enough to say, you "No, know, she's definitively in her prime, but she's certainly not young. I mean, she, I, I say that, lovely. she is young, she's our age, I'm young, she's young. Again, I'm complimenting myself in the process of complimenting her. Um, but the, this idea... She is physically fit. She's 24. She's been around the block. She won this event last year. She's ready for this hardship. You saw the way Simona Halep outlasted Bianca Andrescu. She made it a track meet. So that is the one distinguishing feature between the two groups, and that's why I love Alina Fidelina's performance thus far because, A, you look at her results. She's won her two matches. She beats Pliskova in straight sets. On Wednesday, she knocks off Halep in straight sets. So she has only played four sets through two matches. She, they've been physical matches, of course, but she hasn't had the sort of wear that so many of these threesome matches have had. But now, on Friday, she's going to get a shot at flying Sophia Kennan, right, who's coming in having not played, isn't aware of the conditions, Is also played a ton of tennis this season, right, has had her most successful season. So the pressure of her first WTA Finals match, plus the third incentive of, you know, as I talked about with Tumani Carroll on the mini break uh, on Wednesday, you know, if Svitolina goes undefeated, she's going to make like $4.5 million. That's more than the U.S. Open champs made. That's the most a champ of any tournament has made ever. So there's that added bonus as well. I just I think she's in she's in the perfect shape to
1: go undefeated to run the table and defend her title here because she knows what it takes. Absolutely, and you know it's crazy to have Cannon fly in, and uh, you know I don't know if there's ever been this many alternates coming into a, a year-end event An like alternate
2: this. to alternate. That's just amazing, it, right?
1: It's it's wild. Um, so I mean. It's almost weird. I'm not even sure even if she were to win both of her next two matches, if she even makes the semifinal, I think. For Kennan? Yeah. She's only got one left. Right. Okay. So, right. She has yeah, one match so she, left. So,
2: yeah, she can't make it no matter what. It, I yeah, think so, Svitolina's in for sure. And then I believe the winner of Pliskova Halp. although Pliskova, yeah, the winner of Pliskova Halop, depending on certain conditions, is, is straight up in. But I think that's a winner takes all.
1: Right. I mean, I, I guess at a minimum, you fly in and you make money for playing a match. So, so here's the thing. Uh,
2: Real quick, because I just want to introduce this thought to you. Alina Svitolina versus Sofia Kennan. They've played four times this year already. This is the fifth. They've all been on hard courts. They've all been good matches. They're two and two. Uh, Svitolina won two of them in three sets. Kennan won two of them in straight sets. Their most recent encounter came uh, in Beijing, where Svitolina ended up winning the match 6-3, 6-7, 6-3. So it's kind of like, I don't know given that it's match five between these two, given that Svitolina is already qualified for the group and Kennan's like, this is my shot to shine, who
1: who, do, who are you taking as the favorite heading into this one? I mean, you, you still take Svitolina, right? Played because of the money, the-
2: too? It's like, let me go undefeated and just dominate. That's enough incentive
1: well, to try, right? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of reasons. There's that. There's... You know, just the the confidence and the momentum boost of you know going into the next round with a win never feels good to go into that next round with a loss. Uh, there's the money. And then there's the fact that she's played two matches on these slow courts, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, guess, I guess the only downside is that she's now played two matches. She's playing a you know, somewhat fresh Kennan. Um, so there, there's that to take in, into and account. And all
2: four of their meetings have been on hard courts. Kennan's the one who's won two in straight sets. She did back-to-back this summer in Canada and at Cincinnati. Svitolina got her first at Indian Wells and then more recently at Beijing. So it's – I don't know. So who are you leaning that way? I'm just curious.
1: I'm probably going Svitolina still. Okay.
2: I want you to hold that thought then.
1: uh, Okay. Held. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, I'm currently looking up. I'm curious. No. uh, No.
2: Don't look it up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up because I have something planned for you at the end. This was the whole thing when you were like, what are you
1: so excited about? This was that. So don't look it up. I have it for you. I'm sure. All right. Two, unless Alex, uh, I don't think there's anything. Well, let's really quickly. Matches today: uh, Barty takes down Kvitova four and two, and then Bencic you know, wins that first seven five against Burtons before uh, Burtons retires one zero in that second set. Uh, Barty looked great. Kvitova hit, you know, straight up fifty drop shots and you know mm-hmm. trying to play Barty's game there just does not work. Uh, Barty looks really strong, uh, even though Barty did have uh, a loss. Two Burtons before uh, this retire, before to Benchitch. So uh, be on the lookout for Barty on these slow courts. The slice bites well, stays low. She's moving well. I think Barty's going to be really hard to beat. Um, yeah. Anything else, a, Alex, before no, we... No, I was
2: going to say there's a reason Barty ended the year world number one, right? I mean, she's exactly. the real deal. And I think physically she's closer to the Svitolina older age group than the younger players. I think... You know, she's still 23, but she moves so well. I mean, she's so physically fit. I saw oh. her in that Cincinnati press room, and I was like, what do I have to do for your arms? Like, what's your arm routine? Please <laughs> tell me your biceps. What's your uh, arm because routine? Because it's just she's jacked, and, like, she, it shows because these slogan courts are nothing for her, and she's still physically fit. Uh, we talked about Bencic a ton with Cariel, but Bencic and Barty being the two semifinalists out of that group is the best-case scenario.
1: Absolutely. That, that'd, be, that'd be fun to watch. Um, but let's move on to the ATP side. We've got the Paris Masters going on. We're now into the quarterfinals. All these matches that played today were the round of 16. I want to start with uh, what is, in my opinion, probably the most shocking result of the day. Dimitrov taking out Dominic, team 3-2. and two. Now, it's funny that I say this is shocking because I texted you... This morning and saying, I wish, I tried to call you last night. So first of all, that sucks because I, I, we would have probably made this bet. But I tried to call you <laughs> and say we should bet on Dimitrov over team. Dimitrov is playing fantastic tennis. Wins the first, his first round against him, Baron, three. Takes down Gofen in two the last match. And then just dominates team, three and two in this round. You're shaking your head, so I want to hear your thoughts. But Dimitrov looks hot, man. I mean, I don't bet on people who look that much
2: like my brother. I, it's just out of principle. Grigor's good looking Eric.
1: Come on. I was going like, to say, yeah, I was just say you're, you're giving Eric too much there. Get, yeah, no, the but no. It's H- also H- a H- Dominic
2: H- Team thing. I just, I'm so ready for Dominic Team to have slams that I'm not going to bet against him. But. Credit to Grigor. He played so well in this match. I mean, he served well. He moved well. He hit passing shots well. He pressured team in the right scenarios. He ran around the right balls, but didn't run around too many because he wasn't afraid to play and hit through his backhand. I also thought Dominic team looked tired. I mean, and Dominic team has been so great, right? He won a title last yeah. week, and there's a reason Federer pulled out of this event to get ready for the ATP Tour Finals. Now, Dominic team's way younger, obviously, but I mean... It, it, this isn't a slam, but it's tough to go from uh, the difference. It being he had to travel between countries, he had to come here, he had to play Milos Raonic first. Now he plays an informed Grigor. That's just tough to do. So it's it's more a credit to Grigor this result than Dominic Team because Grigor played so well. But I mean, it was a little of both: a guy playing well versus a guy who just didn't have it in him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'll give you that, and uh, I do want to make sure to still give credit to Grigo her, who has, you know, recently been playing, you know, a little bit better tennis than, than we've seen. You know, he, he loses uh, in Vienna the last tournament he played to Berrettini 6-6, six six. but uh, you know, we've always said that, that Dimitrov has the capability of just pulling out some fantastic tennis, so uh, good to see from him. What what do you expect? You know, seeing this kind of tennis from him uh, in this next round, and and we'll get to this match against Christian Guerin. Do you see that as a, as a potential W for Dimitrov? It's tough, man. I love
2: Christian Guerin's game, and you know that. You, you know, I've t- I talked about it a lot early in the clay season for Christian Guerin here to make the Masters quarterfinal, I believe the first Masters quarterfinal of his career, in terms of the list of Colombian players he's joined who are, who have done that. I believe that list is pretty short. So uh, it's Four a, players. Yeah. if it, so Or three it's a, players, excuse me. So it's a credit to him and his season. I mean, he's, what, 23 years old? I think he's a 96er like you and former yep. junior French Open champion, a guy who a lot of people have circled for a long time as a potential talent. And I don't know. I know. I mean, I know what it is. It's his serve, the way it looks aesthetically, and the way he goes after the forehand. But I like... I, it The serve and forehand remind me a lot, not in terms of quality, but just the form and the way he attacks the ball, of Stan Wawrinka. I've said that before. The knee bend on yeah. his serve, the way he just keeps yeah. his feet close together, it's, it's very uh, aesthetically similar. But, I mean, he moves well. There were times in this match where he got pressured... Um, and just like the stre- – I mean on the match points because he was down against Chardy 6-3 in the third set breaker. And he got stretched points. on the backhand a couple of times, but he was able to hit them with depth. You know, he didn't have to chip them. He was able to swing through them. And we can do that in an indoor hard court by yourself, even an extra half second. In indoors, that's everything. And he's a good enough athlete. I mean he beat Isner in tiebreakers. This guy – he's obviously playing well. He's had the best season of his career. Um I don't know, though, because two big wins like that back-to-back physically versus a guy in Grigor who's playing white hot now, no one is willing to drop a goose egg faster than Grigor Dimitrov. You know, (laughs) and Grigor Dimitrov, by the way, after Kyle Edmonds' loss, takes over the category of most likely to be the funky Paris Masters winner of this season. Um, Oh, God. But, I mean, Dimitrov's a favorite for sure, but if Garen won, it wouldn't shock me at all because Garen's playing really well.
1: Yeah, and as you said, Garen, you know, Joins Marcelo Rios, who made it to the quarterfinals of Indian Wells in 96. Fernando Gonzalez, Beast, uh, makes Cincy quarterfinals in 2002. Nicolas Massu, Madrid in 2003, and he's the fourth in 2019. So 16 years has gone by. Uh, you know, before that's happened. So pretty cool for him. Uh, But yeah, saves three match points. I mean, Shardy, after taking out Medvedev, just has to be kicking himself for not taking advantage of this match, getting to that quarterfinal. Uh, But like you said, Garen just played some fantastic tennis. It'll be really fun to see those two go up head-to-head. Oh, another match I want to talk about. Two young guys and... I can't wait to hear what you think about this match. I got to watch a bunch of it today. Denis Shapovalov takes the dub over Alexander Zverev, six two five seven six two, and Shapo really, I I got to see most of this second set uh, into the third and had his chances to really to close it out uh, in the second and you know ended up throwing away that game at 5-6, and I thought, oh, that's the end. Chapo's mentally out of it. We've seen him do it a, a million times where, you know, he looks good and then all of a sudden a loose game goes by and, and the mental downhill spiral just seems to to come into play, but he really turned it back around in that third set and, and pulled out some great tennis similar to what he was able to produce in the first. Alex, what's going on with Zverev, dude? <laughs> <sighs>
2: <laughs> so it's twofold, right? It's like he's been better down the home stretch. There's no denying that. But he's got now the World Tour Finals points coming off of his record. That stings. I mean, he clinched his spot there, which is definitely a win given yep. how the season's gone. It was not a good year for him. But I mean, that, that Zverev even stole the second set was Highway Robbery. Zhavov yeah, had totally. no business losing a totally. set in this match. And I mean, Zverev just played because I saw a lot of this match. And. He just played so passively. I mean, Shapovalov was controlling. He was controlling all the points. He knew exactly what Zverev wanted to do, which was hit to the one-handed backhand, try and get with the rallies. When Zverev had opportunities to open up the court with a backhand cross-court, because he got Shapovalov in the corner, and Shapovalov tried to go backhand down the line, he didn't try and rip the winner cross-court. He just kind of gently either went back down the line or just went back neutral. Like he just didn't. There was no aggressive spark there. And again, he volleyed horribly. Like there were just so many first volleys that just sat there, and Shapovalov is such a good athlete. This is not to take anything away from Shapovalov, as as I mentioned from the start, Shapovalov shouldn't have lost this set. But the question was, what's going on with Svirov? And I don't know. I, it, it's a little bit of both. Is he does he need a little bit of rest? There's no denying that. Of course he does. He's played a ton of matches this year, um, but at the same time, you would think this is the this is why he never play the next gen finals, right? Because you would think this is the sort of event he'd get up for, and he just didn't.
1: Yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely right. You know, I, I say what's going on with Zverev, It's not like his recent results have been bad. Sure, he loses first round to Fritz in Basel, but I mean, he just made a finals of Shanghai and you know makes a semis of Beijing beforehand. So it's not like he's been playing poor tennis. It's just you know as as the as the player he is and the ranking he has, you know, you expect him to win this match against Chapeau. So.
2: Yeah, but Schapo was also money today. Like, money. We should talk about that for two seconds. See, I because love it. this guy is hitting so confidently, especially from the baseline. He's still not volleying great, but just his plus one attitude no, is to go I down disagree. the line when he gets the ball. But when he's willing to get the ball, when he gets the ball, he goes after it. And it's just like, it, it, it is beautiful. His
1: firepower is just, it's a thing to watch. I disagree with you on the volleys. I think the, the volleys are where he was really solid today. I, I want to say he was like. 14 of 17 going into the third set on on that points one.
2: It's not that he was good today. It's that Zverev was just so bad. Like, how many times did Zverev... So Zverev would hit... Uh, I'm sorry for making right down a note, but Zverev would hit a sh- first volley, and then Shapo would move in after a passing shot and hit a ball back at Zverev, which Zverev would get back, but it's just a floater. And then Shapo hits the volley winner. It's like, okay, two of two. And it's like, well, that's not how it actually worked. But it was like Zverev was so bad that he was giving Shapovalov extra opportunities to hit put-away volleys, which juiced the numbers. But it, you're right. Shapovalov looks better. I agree. It's it's a, all of the mentality of him moving forward. Yeah. He's gotten significant significantly better at that but I, I i still think that's something he needs to work on because there are, the reason Zverev won that second set is because like four separate times Chapo missed floating first volleys long
1: well yeah i mean there was the one where he literally just like on the net pushed yeah, yeah. it long and the, and that yeah. that honestly to me looked like nerves he looked just a little nervous there at the end like he was like oh i'm about to close out this match against zverev and uh i i can't you know mess this up but i i don't think that's you know thing that you have to worry about too much happening in the future the thing though that i liked was the way he came into the net was great i think he was patient really drove the backhands cross court waited for his ball moved in at the right times uh and and yeah i'm sure you know as he continues to move in more he'll get more comfortable at the net but still he converted well at the net and i think part of that is due to choosing the right times to move in so i think all positives for Chapo and you know Uh, Can we just say, even if he doesn't win another match here,
2: Dennis Shapovalov, even after the nightmare first half of the year, is right now sitting at number 20 in the live rankings. He's going to be a top 20 player, and he's 20 years old. That's nuts.
1: Yeah. I mean, speaking of the fact that he's 20, I'm just really quickly super excited for the next-gen finals. Um, A lot of the guys that I think you and I thought throughout the year were not going to play are playing. So um, if you weren't planning on watching change your mind because it, it's going to be fun Lo- lots of uh, good talent in the next gen finals but I don't want to stray too far off course he is playing Gael Monfils in the next round and don't need to talk too much about this match but Monfils wins his match against Albot, 4-6-6-4-6-1 and then the the last part of, uh, of this draw We've got Joe Wilf- well, Wait, I have to disagree oh.
2: with you. We do have to talk about Shadapavala of Olive Monfils because we'll if not. Gael Monfils wins this match, Gael Monfils being the last guy eligible outside of Matteo Berrettini to qualify for the World Tour Finals, if he wins this match... He will qualify for the World Tour Finals, which in Gael Monfils' career, that'll be, I believe, the very first time he's done that, which is a testament to the fact that's crazy. I mean, Gael Monfils was a guy we—oh, no, 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 sorry. Second time he did it in 2016. But we talked about him on the GSP in terms of ATP players who came closest. And look, two semifinals, uh, six quarterfinals, that slams to his name. That's pretty solid. But only two ATP—or only one ATP Finals is a little disappointing that only once he ended as a top-eight player— Uh, But, you know, sneakily, this has become one of his best seasons. I mean, 2016 was definitely his best, but this has been a really good 2019 for him. Quarterfinals, Indian Wells, fourth-round French Open, quarterfinals, U.S. Open, semifinals in Montreal. I mean, good season for him for sure, and... This would be the cherry on top, right? Because for the Monfils, you know, you look in their career head-to-heads for Gael. He has that one win over Chapo at the U.S. Open this year. An incredible sort of turnaround uh, 5 set match that sort of encapsulates Dennis Chapovala's season uh, in a, in a single match. And it's like... So, here's the incentive. For Gael, this is everything, right? And have we ever seen a Gael Monfils with
1: everything? I don't know if it's everything,
2: but there's a lot on the line. And, like, a locked-in Gael Monfils
1: is a scary prospect, right? Yeah, I mean, we're used to seeing him, you know, hit tweeners and jumping overheads and very relaxed on the court. He, I, I wonder if we're going to see any of that change in this match. And just so you know, I wasn't going to skip over this. I wanted to come back to the matchups, uh, you know, for, for next round afterwards. But... Okay, but real
2: quick, who are you leaning in that? Because I'm just curious.
1: Between the two of them?
2: Chapeau Monfils, Yeah. I mean, Chapeau coming off of that title, and then he lost first rounds, but he has obviously been playing so well late versus Monfils, who's got World Tour finals on the line. Which way are you leaning?
1: I want to say Monfils. He looks good, man. I mean. Okay, hold that thought
2: as well. I asked you to hold Svidalina. Hold Monfils as well, because Bavada, I'll give you a little tease. Bavada has Chapeau minus 125, Monfils even. So mm Yeah. I smell a tease. I would this is just to get you warmed up. That's a little so boyfriend friend tease. I was gonna go because I have something lined up for you. I was gonna go opposite. I was gonna to go the opposite
1: of that. I was if if we were looking at that line, I would have said Monfils minus one ten chapeau even. So that's really funny that Which that's,
2: is what I'm saying. We see the value. There's a tease there. We'll get back to it at the end. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Well, the last part of uh the bottom part of this draw, we've got Rafa and Joe Willy. Let's start with Joe Willie finally playing some good tennis. He also saved match points in this match, and Struff absolutely blew it. I mean, that tiebreaker was his Struff,
2: dog. Devastate I, I mean, know. so we had him
1: in our GSP, right,
2: of players to watch down the home stretch, and it was like, oh, maybe this is the one, right? Indoor I mean, hardcore makes it more fun here. Exactly, it's and like in Joe Willie. Joe Willie's played really well, but three sets against Rublev, straight set emotional win against Berrettini. You know, you win the first set six two, and like credit to Songa. You're right, he played really well, but a little disappointed in Struif dog.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, he he was kicking himself. You could just see it in his face. He was like, "Wow, I really messed up that opportunity," and he did. And I think, to be honest, Struff against Nadal. Would have is gonna be a would have been a more competitive match than what Sangha Nadal is gonna be next round. I think Nadal is about to absolutely whoop Sangha in this next round. It's gonna be a three and two win, um something like that, because Nadal just looks spot on. The only thing I will say, Nadal today in his match against Warrenka calls the trainers onto the court with some sort of stomach bug or something. I know. And I just you never like that. That that makes you uneasy. Hopefully Wait. he can get that I figured out. I didn't know out.
2: that. Oh, because I threw Nadal in the teaser basket as well. That's all I right. I have... We've got we're three names in right now. Can we do some research on the stomach bug? We're all right, be, pending stomach bug. Um, yeah, you know, for Songa though, <laughs> his first Master quarterfinal in three years. The last time he did it was 2016. I mean, for him, it's his sixth Paris quarterfinal. Obviously, given the health ish- issues he went through this year, uh, stuttering Stanley there. Sorry, but this is huge. He's in front of his home crowd. There's no doubt you can see it on his face. It's incredible and. If Nadal is ailing, that is not a match you want to play, and I don't like this stomach bug. But there's no doubt Rafa's won two matches in straight sets. He's a guy who always gets better as the tournament progresses, and he in looked the teaser basket. good against Ortega in the teaser basket. Nadal goes,
1: yeah, hundred uh, percent, and he looked good against Favrinka. I mean, he, he wins four and four. You know, gets the breaks when he needed to. You know, he's just uh, the way he fights is incredible, and. Uh, you know, the backhand's looking solid. He's moving well. Nadal is, is scary looking right now. He's in one of those forms where, you know, you you got to be bringing out pretty much your your 100% A game or, or you know, it's not happening.
2: And he's in Halloween form, baby. Trick or treat.
1: Spooky. Woo. <laughs> uh so the, the only matches that we haven't covered yet are the tsitsipas Hour and the djokovic Edmund. djokovic Edmund, you know, not much to say there. Djokovic gets a, an Wait, easy win. Wait, I made
2: a joke earlier, but tell me I'm not wrong. There was a moment in your head, I, I might have texted this to you yesterday too, when Kyle Edmond won those first two matches, you're like, it's just Paris luck that Kyle Edmond's going to win this year's Masters
1: event. <sighs> no, I mean, it, I it mean, crossed my mind. I'm like, no, he's going to beat
2: Djokovic and just shock the world.
1: I mean yeah i I also thought for a second too, like you know what happens if Dimitrov or Chapo comes up here, beats Verev, and then goes on this win streak and wins like all, all of those with with Paris just having <laughs> yeah, the it's... wackiest winners over the last few years
2: Because, again, we don't do anything on Halloween so that's what we this is what we
1: th- this is what we think about yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a thought, and Djokovic squashed it. He he beats Edmonds 6-1, although it was a tight tiebreaker, 9-7 in the tiebreaker. Uh, the other match, tsitsipas hour I mean, I really was expecting a potential upset here. hours looked really good. I mean, he looked good against Batista-Gut, and he's had some good results recently, and Pass just controlled the court I mean that was a fun match to watch CC pass you know, did well against fritz too to to you know win the important points when he needed to he, he came up clutch in a lot of return games and uh I was I was very surprised to see you know a straight set win from CC pass here
2: what do Tsitsipas, Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, and Medvedev have in wins. common? 50, 50 wins. That's wins. your 50-win club in 2019. Crazy. Dominic team belongs in that group. But to me, that's your six. Those are your six best players, and there's a reason those were the six guys who have qualified for the World Tour Finals before everyone else because they were the definitive six best. And as good as as good as Diminauer has been, I mean, it's tough. Much like Federer last week, Cici Pass can generate pace, can hurt Diminauer when Diminauer's ball can sometimes sit a little bit short. And I think that's what we saw today. Just indoor seats Pass too yeah. much firepower today for Diminauer. But again, Djokovic Cici Pass teaser basket. You ready to get to it? Because this is the last thing I want to talk about is this tease I have set up. But yeah. any more Paris thoughts? Sorry.
1: One of the things I was to say is, you know, looking forward to the next round in the quarterfinals, we have Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Garen Dimitrov, Chapeau Monfils, and Sanga Nadal. That's a fun Paris quarterfinals. There's some names that we don't always really need to fun. see. Like a Sanga, you know, like a Garen, uh, and then, you know, of course, we get the the Djokovic, Tsitsipas rematch. So, um, yeah, you know, Fire away. Let's let's hear uh, let's hear your questions.
2: Okay, so I right, we went on Bovada because I was curious. You know, I, I have some thoughts on this. What are you thinking? Who are the definitive? Because we don't like to gamble on tennis a lot of the time. Like I, I don't like to gamble on almost all of the next gen guys because I feel personally invested in how they do. I don't like to gamble against the big. Boy, well, I do like to gamble against the big boys because I feel no pain when they lose. I feel like they deserve to lose by now. If the gods were fair, they'd be like, okay, you've had your time. But that's an argument for another time. I only like to bet sure things. Well, as we went through, I asked you, you know, there are really six big matches tomorrow, two group play in the WTA finals, four in, here in Paris. We don't do the Challengers future stuff because too much money on the line. Those gamblers are shady. We want to do the high class <laughs> stuff. So let's start in Paris. Uh, let, let's talk about the locks, because we believe when betting, it's more beneficial as opposed to betting like, oh, I really think this upset's going to happen. Bet a couple of locks, right, and parlay them, because the odds go down and it ends up in your favor. Ag- agreed? Yep. Agreed. So, so the ones we can lock in. Uh, pending stomach bug. Pending stomach bug. Let's be clear. Rafa Nadal, minus 475 over Joe Wilfred Song. I feel like that's the base of anything we do. Yeah, of course. Rafa, 9-4 in their career. The last time Rafa lost to him, 2015. I thought you were going to have me guess
1: these lines.
2: Oh, do you, you, you want to guess them?
1: Happy to, yes.
2: Well, I'm trying to convince you we should do this bet, but I'm down. But so the last three times they've played on hardcore, Sanga won 2015, Rafa won 2012, uh, Sanga won 2011, but that's so long. So long ago. So I think we agree. Rafa, heavy favorite going into this, right? Absolutely. Have they ever played in Paris? They've played in Paris once before, two thousand nine. Rafa won five and five. They've played on indoor hard court twice, three times. Rafa is two and one overall, but they twice happened to in 0-9, once in twenty eleven. So throw that out. But so okay, Rafa tees in, in, okay, and we don't do spreads. We're win losers. Yeah. Novak Djokovic versus Stefano Tsitsipas. Guess the odds.
1: I'm probably giving Djokovic plus two twenty or sorry minus two twenty five.
2: So you say Djokovic might, I think you might have looked these up. I don't know if I trust No, I, I really didn't. Djokovic minus 335, Stefano Tsitsipas plus 265. Now, this one's interesting. That's Because Stefano Tsitsipas is 2-1 in his career against Novak Djokovic. He obviously just beat him outdoor on hard court in Shanghai in three sets. Djokovic beat him on clay in Madrid, but when they played on the hard courts at the end of 2018 in Canada, Tsitsipas beat him in three sets there as well. So he's beaten him twice when they've played on hard courts. That is a little concerning, but the look in Novak's eye, I just feel like given how many matches Stefano Tsitsipas has played, Novak forty-eight and nine on the year, uh, or not forty-eight and nine anymore. Now he's fifty and nine. Stefano Tsitsipas fifty and twenty-three. So I mean seventy-three matches on his body at this point. I'm taking Djokovic in that tease as well. Djokovic, Nadal, your thoughts?
0: Ah oh,
1: man, um, you mean Djokovic? I think this Tsitsipas. could be a
2: Djokovic steam. I think this could be a steamroll. Not steamroll in the sense of, like, one and one, but, like, straight sets Djokovic.
1: Yeah, I don't— <sighs> it Plus, might... he
2: lost the last time we saw him. That's not what Djokovic does.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's fuming after that Shanghai loss. I don't know. I think I think a straight set might be aggressive. I mean, if he comes out firing, yeah, by all means. But Tsitsipas looks solid right now. I'm giving Djokovic the nod in three sets.
2: Okay, but so you would take him to win? Yes, absolutely. You want to throw it in the tees? Let's do it. All right, so right now we're at Nadal Djokovic. Bet number three, Gael Monfils, for the reason we talked about. He right now, guess the win-lose. I, I think I told you already, but he's even, yeah. Shep of, all of minus 125. Right. <clears throat> he's an underdog. His season's on one You out got to take him. Right? And so throw him in the tees, right? Yep. So now it's fun. Now we've got three guys, uh, three players in the tees. If you just tease Djokovic, Nadal, and Monfils, you bet 10 bucks, you win 21 So two to one odds. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. But this is where I said hold that thought earlier. Alina Svitolina and Sofia Kennan have played four times this year. As I've mentioned, all on hard courts, they're two and two. But we agreed for the reasons money, pride, momentum going in, we think Svitolina's the favorite. So you throw her in the tees now as well, right? Yep. Now you bet ten bucks, you win forty. So now we're at four to one odds. So my question to you, Max Roth, and the thing I was so excited about earlier: Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic minus three thirty-five, Nadal minus four seventy-five, plus plus one hundred, Fidolina minus one seventy-five, all teased. You bet ten bucks, you win forty. So now there's that thought in mind, right? So one in four. That's the fun one. What do you think about that one?
1: I think it's doable. I don't see why right? that doesn't happen.
2: So, you want to lock that in?
1: West off. West off. Lock us in.
2: Well, this is why we have a lot of fun. Now, so guess the Christian Garen Dimitrov odds.
1: Ooh. I want to say Dimitrov is minus 120. Dimitrov
2: minus 400. Oh. Christian Garen plus 25. Oh. So, here's the thing, though. Garen's played two really physical matches, right? Six. Yeah, six I was chances. I was There's aggressive seven, on 30 minus 30. 120. But let's say you throw Garen in the Do You throw God. Garin in the parlay. You bet 10. Guess how much you win? 80. 180. 18 to 1 odds if you throw Garen in that parlay. Max Rothman. I That was my original parlay, and that's why I was like, this is spicy. Now, the 4 to 1 with the Dude, I just don't think Garen's going to win. Yeah, but how many times
1: have we seen Dimitrov throw a stinker? Like you said, goose egg. Possible.
2: It's so possible. A little trick after a little, a nice little treat the day of Halloween. And then he's like, okay, now it's time for the trick.
1: Yeah, that, that is... <sighs> but the other thing is,
2: Garen either wins in three or Dimitrov blows him out. Yeah, like I, I, That's the problem. And you're betting on the win in three, and that's why you get good odds. But 180. This is 18 to one. This is the stuff... <sighs> yeah, we're not going to do that
1: one. We're not going to do that one. Let's do the other one for sure. All right, well... I think we do potentially both and just see what happens. Um, <laughs> but now Broken we like someone not on a public salary. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you, you guys have heard the odds. We've now rambled about what we're, what we're betting on for the night. I'm curious Leave a comment uh, if you're betting on any of these matches, too. Would love to, to see if there's any other degenerates out there like us. Although, I can't really call us degenerates, and we're only betting $10. Um, <laughs> split between the two of us. So do uh, Don't that Three west off. Oh, yeah. So, anyways juicy action coming up in Paris for tomorrow. Make sure to tune in juicy action on the WTA side and juicy action on the challenger side in Charlottesville. There are some other challengers as well, but just with all the American names in Charlottesville, super fun to, to look forward to, but Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap this one up?
2: If you missed it, best of the decade. GSP, you know where to find it. Mini break to Monte Carriol this week. A bunch of fun guests. Cracked interviews. We're getting ready for the 2019-2020 college tennis season. So, crackedrackets.com, that's the place. I know the tennis season is almost over, but in reality, the tennis season never ends. And neither do we, so go check it out.
1: Well, you said you'd like to be a guest, but you just took the ending of the host's job there to to plug all the podcasts. So as Alex said, go check them all out. Go check out the website. We can't end these podcasts without giving a special thanks and a huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Liegner and Daniel Westhoff, who, as always, have a f- editing job to do. We love you, as always. Alex, one last time to all of us at Cracked Rackets, to our super producers and for you my wonderful co-host what do we say that's the break that is the break and we'll see y'all tomorrow enjoy your halloween